There's there's been some nudity. There's been lots of illegal drugs, um, like just weird, like because lots of lots of um, landlords would do this for like 50 houses that they own kind of thing. And so they would try and tell the people that lived there um, that I was coming and blah, blah, blah. But it would never, never clue in. I would there is some this one time where I literally walked in. It was one or two in the afternoon and there was like one of the most raging parties I've ever seen in my life <laughs> full on like from the outside it looked like nothing I just knock on the door and it was just like smoke and chaos and I had to go in and do this and it's like it was madness podcast junkies episode 74 welcome back this is the podcaster's voice this is the place where you come to listen to fantastic fun quirky conversations with some of the most interesting podcast hosts I can get in front of and I get to share some time with. And I bring those conversations to you week in, week out, every Monday, kind of, sort of, and hope you enjoy them. Uh, This week is no different. We get to speak to the one and only Johnny Naster of Hack the Entrepreneur. But before we get to that, did you catch the one last week? That's the one where I spoke to my friend, Esprit Devora of the We Are LA Tech and Hello Customer podcasts. And that one was done inside a car because that's the best place we could get some good sound. So it is all over the map. It is a lot of fun. We are laughing our asses off for half the show. And uh, she's a good friend. So I I think you're going to get to learn a little bit more about her. And I really appreciate uh, Esprit taking the time and opening up on some topics that she hadn't spoken about in public before, so that was pretty cool of her. Uh, Johnny Naster has been ha, uh, has been the host of uh, Hack the Entrepreneur for almost two years. He just came out with his new book, um, which I highly encourage you to check out. The It's a compilation of his conversations with fantastic entrepreneurs, and what he does is decipher how um, and really hack what, what it takes for them to have a successful business. So check out Hack the Entrepreneur. Uh, the book, it's literally came out a couple of weeks ago, and I believe it's only $3 on Amazon, so make sure you check that out. So we had a great conversation, uh, dug a bit deeper into why the punk aesthetic is so important for Johnny, um, how he's improved over time with his interviews, and, and one of the little hacks he uses himself to ensure that his uh, interviews are the best possible. So without further ado, Johnny Naster of Hack the Entrepreneur. Mr. Good. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Never done this before. <laughs> Never been interviewed before? I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Mr. Johnny Naster, thank you so much for being a guest on Podcast Junkies. Absolutely my pleasure. Absolutely my pleasure. As per the rules I've been given on your podcast, I can call you Johnny, right? Of course you can. <laughs> of course. I would I prefer. Uh, Jonathan, just, uh, I'm not a big fan. Is it, uh, is it on the birth certificate? It's definitely on the birth certificate, yeah. And it's on like my mother and my wife's lips when I, I'm, I've not been good. <laughs> That's when Jonathan comes out. <laughs> the Jonathan comes out when you haven't been good. That's, yeah. And not in a good way either. And do you have uh, siblings? Uh, yeah, I have two sisters. Uh, so are you in the middle or younger, older? I'm the youngest, yeah. So I have two older sisters than okay. me. So I got beat up a lot as a kid. <laughs> and do you, th- um, 
Are they as entrepreneurial as you are? No, not at all. Well, hmm, no, no. I'm going to say my my the middle sibling is kind of walks the line. She's more intrapreneurial, would you call her? So yeah, yeah. she she just left her last job, and I think it was almost five years, longest she's ever been at a place. But she kind of moves from place to place, and she likes to kind of be able to take her own customers and stuff. And then my oldest sister is like one job like her whole life yeah um that's just and she shook her head at me for years and years and years and only recently is she just like hmm, this is pretty interesting what you do <laughs> so you know the game yeah there's always that uh that inflection point where the people around you think like what do you this is like either if it's one of many then like oh this is the other thing you're starting now and good luck with that and then you can exactly you come back tail between your legs you remember that thing i told you to get behind because this is the one this is the one I, i'm really gonna gonna make a future with yeah that didn't pan out and uh it's 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 a it's a fun moment when it finally takes off and you know either they start to see you and um it's just a different universe right because i i have like people that i've worked with in my corporate life before and then people that are my entrepreneurial podcast friends and when i was in corporate life i had no idea this this even existed yeah exactly you don't typically know that it exists and and it's yeah, I've learned to kind of really take in the whole um, going from idea to idea. I like to call it project to project and sort of like setting up like a portfolio type of businesses that um, have different like sources of income and that kind of and just like my focus. They move. I don't have one business that I go to that office kind of thing. Like I have multiple things. And sometimes like right now during this like next couple of weeks, it's kind of overwhelming sometimes, but I do really enjoy it. Um, and so this like siblings and other people, they need to even, they start to appreciate the fact that, wow, you actually do these different things. And it's not just, you're not just dabbling in each of them. You're actually going full bore in all of them uh, somehow. And it's, it's a different lifestyle, but it's fun. It's, you know, brings us where we are. I was reading a bit, um, a couple of months ago about how the actual works system was developed here in the United States. I think it's has something to do with, uh, some German or Swedish in influence. But anyways, this concept of like, we, we lived in a machine age and we had to have factory workers at a physical location between the hours of nine to five so they could produce the amount of widgets that we needed in order to get done. And I, I feel like that model is at some point going to disintegrate because I remember even when I was in a job, you know, people would just sit at the desk until the five o'clock bell rang. And I'm like, what are you doing like before then? Don't you are that you're literally waiting for the bell to ring? You know, were you not busy an hour before or four, four hours before? We all work at different speeds. And I and I think now that I'm more entrepreneurial, I, I feel that's that's more natural. We have our days, you know, we wake up in the morning, some people are morning people, some people are night people. I'm wondering for you if you found that it, it's always been difficult to work within the confines of, of a set hourly structure. I find it difficult to work within the confines of anything you put in front of me. <laughs> How's that for an answer? <laughs> like, it's not just timing. It's not just place. It's not, it's literally, I, it, it's something I struggled with for years. And I've only recently sort of become confident in the fact that I can work how and when and where I want to and be successful doing it. Um, it, but you're right. This whole like notion of like going because that's when like the factory is open and that's when you have to do it. It's an old concept that doesn't really exist anymore. 
um, or is going to exist less and less. That's why people don't get jobs now and just stay in that job for 50 years, right? Like they used to do. It's just not a thing that really happens anymore. Um, unless you're older and you got in just in time, I guess, and that's what you want to do, but that's not what I want to do. And I just, yeah, I, I love, I love that I can, like right now, like work my ass off totally and put in a good couple of weeks or a good couple of months of hard work. Um, but then I can completely pull back if I want to. Um, and I usually need to, and that's how I like to work. I like to, I don't really like to half-ass things. I like to kind of go all in and do the things I want to do, get them done. And then, okay, now it's done. Now let's pull back, kind of regroup, hang out with the family, maybe travel a bit and then come back to it and do something else bigger and better. So if you had to think back as to who instilled that um, that sense of individualism within you, is there someone that you can point to? The sense of individualism? Or that you, that you, can, you can do it and you're in charge of like, you know, you're, you're in charge of your own future? Oh, yeah, that would be my dad for sure. Um, he's always run different businesses. And so I always, so there was my mom who like worked for the government and like the total, like just that's the job till retirement, um, which was great. And then there was the like totally like different businesses and stuff. And so I learned, I was really comfortable from an early age, not knowing where, um, the income was coming from and that kind of thing and kind of moving from place to place. It wasn't abnormal for me. So it really, it really, it pushed me. I mean, he's like the very first page of my book, even his, like I have a quote from him, which is like the only people who don't make mistakes are the ones that don't do anything. And that was like from a young age, like when I would screw something up and be all like scared. And then he was like, and that just means you're trying something, you're doing stuff. And that's kind of what I grew up in. So it really taught me just to go out and do stuff and not worry about making everything perfect and right, because it never is. Even after you've done it a lot, it's never perfect and right. It's just is. And you have to be cool with that. And you have to be comfortable with that. And you have to be willing to put that out there no matter what and learn and grow um, and build off of it. So you're a firm believer in fail fast, fail, fail often? Um, hopefully not. I'm a firm believer in never fail and just do everything awesomely, but it never works. Um, so I, I, the fail fast thing, I mean, I, oh, it, it sounds, it sounds like, bad when you, when you, when you say it, but I think the concept is, you know, just learn very, very quickly what not to do. Right. And there's no pressure on it, but just learn from it. Right. It's only really a mistake if like you don't learn something from it. And that's just that's just that's how we learn stuff. That's how we figure things out. And you have to be comfortable with it and you have to just be okay with it. And you have to learn to just wake up the next morning and realize that it's not really me that failed. It's not really like it's just this idea or this way that I implemented this. But if I implement it in a different way, it might still work. Um, so, yeah. So I'm totally I guess I am a believer in the fail fast and the fail kind of just and learn from it and fail hard, right? You have to. It's essential. Um, there's no way to get good at anything. Um, and I always like to be kind of pushing myself to try things I was never any good at, such as podcasting or even speaking into a microphone. I dreaded the sound of my voice um, up until like a year and a half ago. And now this is what I do almost all day, every day. <laughs> so, which is crazy, right? But I pushed myself because I wanted to learn it. I wanted to 
figure it out. And now I know that whole like, oh, there's a certain amount of bad radio and all. I didn't know those quotes and stuff at the time. I was just like, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to not listen to it back because I, it's going to freak me out. And I'm not going to want to release it, but I'm just going to keep doing it. And eventually I'll get decent at it. Then maybe I'll get good and hopefully I'll keep going and I'll just actually be able to handle listening to myself. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't think we ever get to a point where like, okay, this is it. This is perfect. I love the way I sound and I'm ready for my own talk show and I, I get the cameras out because I'm going to be like the next uh, Jimmy Fallon or something like that. So um, I'm, I'm, before that, I'm, I know you mentioned and uh, you know, from listening to you on your podcast and on, and on the showrunner um, and having chatted with you a couple of times, I think previously you used to have a job where you checked houses for energy efficiency. Is that right? I did. I did. That was the very, um, that was the final job before I went into the world of online business. And that was quasi government. Like it was like a government program where they would pay people money for doing things. But yeah, I would go around and I worked for a company like quote unquote worked for them as like a contractor. So I got to kind of make my own schedule and they were like, their office was like 10 hours drive from here. So I, I could like not answer my phone or my email if I wanted to. I had sort of the, the separateness from it, I guess still. So it was still sort of my own thing, but yeah, it's dreadful. It's dreadful going out. Just, I mean, I live up in Canada, right? So it's freezing cold right now. I'm looking outside. I'm like, I can't believe I used to work out in that, like measuring people's houses and taking pictures. And, but yeah, that's just one of the wacky, the, one of the many wacky sort of jobs or businesses that I've run in my life, um, on this sort of trip to where I am now. So did that come out of just, that was the job that came along at the moment? Or was, is there an aspect of you that's actually interested in, you know, the environment and that's why energy efficiency was something that was important to you? Oh, I so wish I could say that. That would sound so nice. <laughs> I, I totally, I totally do like care about global warming, um, that sort of thing. But that wasn't why I took the job. Um, my, so my dad is like a contractor, builds houses and that kind of thing, right? So I grew up in that. So I knew I had a background in um, construction and those kinds of things. And this new program with the government came, there was literally an ad in the paper. They were looking for somebody who could run this end of it. So there would have to be some sales, which I feel really comfortable in and that I'm good at. Um, and then it was also with houses. So I was like, I know houses, like I could build a house if I wanted to. So it just felt right. And then I kind of just ran with it. And it was a really big thing for, I think, almost three years, like just shy of three years, the government poured like hundreds of millions of dollars into it. And so it was just like unlimited amounts of work. And I would get paid per house that I went to like hundreds of dollars. And it was like, I would do like thousands of them in a year. It was amazing. And so it was like, like anything else I do, I just went all in on it and just like hammered it out, hammered it out super hard and took advantage of the moment that existed. Um, it's funny, I actually got an email from the company yesterday because the government might be coming back with like a half-assed version of the program. They're trying to recruit us back and stuff. And it's, there's people, I see them responding to it. It's like, like, that's been like four or five years. Like, when you're, you're going to go, like, have you been waiting for this the whole time? Or It's shocking to me. But um, so it wasn't for, it was, I literally saw an opening in a market. I saw a place to make some good money by myself, sort of. Um, and I ran with it. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always have this, this morbid curiosity every time I get into like a, a Lyft or uh, I use mainly Lyft and not Uber. And I was like, oh, so what were you doing before? And do you have any interesting stories? So 
given that you've visited thousands of houses, is there anything that stands out as a as an awkward moment or an interesting visit when you went to one of these houses? Yeah. Yeah, there are. There's There's been some nudity. There's been lots of illegal drugs. Um, like just weird, like, cause lots of, lots of, um, landlords would do this for like 50 houses that they own kind of thing. And so they would try and tell the people that lived there, um, that I was coming and blah, 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 but it would never, never clue in. I would, there was some, this one time where I literally walked in, it was one or two in the afternoon and there was like one of the most raging as parties I've ever seen in my life <laughs> full on like from the outside it looked like nothing I just knock on the door and it was just like smoke and chaos and I had to go in and do this and it's like it was madness they were super awesome and super nice and just like so you're like government right but like are you like affiliated with the cops and stuff it's like dude no I'm not I'm just I just need to do my job you're not paying just can I just take some pictures I'll try and not include some of this stuff in your in my photos and that was crazy because I had to every house you'd go before they do the renovation and then you'd go back after like months or a year later. Yeah. Um, and I remember going back to that house and it was just like um, there's some people hanging out like drunk, but it was like the middle of the afternoon when I went back. But I was so like all morning, I was like, oh, my God, I got to go back to that place again. Like, is it going to be just like a roar or else are, are all those people just dead and in jail? I don't know. But yeah, so that and yeah, there was some weird nudity and just weird, weird people get really weird. People get really weird when someone's just coming into their house. Sometimes they you can tell they've been like cleaning up for days and just preparing things because there's government persons coming in, which I wasn't government, but it was for a government thing. Um, and then there's the other people who just it just doesn't just doesn't matter. It's just like, whoa, who oh, cares? Yeah. You've been yeah. telling me for a month you're coming, but whatever. I'm not changing anything. I'm literally not putting clothes on at this point. <laughs> So it was fun. Uh, yeah, it's funny. It says a lot about you know what what how people are and and, and their personalities. And you when you think, I mean, if I think of the someone's coming home, my natural inclination is to at least try to clean up a little bit or something. But <laughs> oh, some of the filth and weird, just like some places where you just like literally, I'm not taking my shoes off. There's no way I'm taking my shoes off, and just. Yeah, it's weird, man. I, I miss that part of it, even though it would exhaust me because I'm not really good with just like meeting new people all the time. But I kind of like got into the flow of like what I would say to people and like I'd make a joke here about this and make them because sometimes they would like follow you around the whole time trying to take notes and you're trying to act like you care too. But really, you're just trying to get the job done in like 45 minutes. Um, and then there's like the other ones who are just like let you in the door and just like go for it, man. Tell me when you're done. I'll pay you. And it's like, nice. So. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, it, it, always interesting to act with uh, people and get out of the house and and sometimes you wish you hadn't. But <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, tell me how important uh, music is in your life. Oh, it's. Uh, I'm gonna say it's one of the most important things in my life. Um, just from like in my office here, listening to it nonstop, or on headphones when I'm writing or working, to. I have like five or six guitars strewn about the house. I play drums in two bands still. Um, and I mean, my daughter takes piano. We haul a piano around with us everywhere we go. Like whenever we move houses and um, it's huge, it's massive. Uh, it's It's been the one constant, I think, in my life since I was probably about six or seven years old. Um, and it... Yeah, it's just, it's like that transcendental kind of thing. It's the one thing that always can take me 
out of myself and out of my own head. Um, it's, it's my meditation. Even though I play super loud, fast, abrasive, like rock and roll on drums, super just fashion, like the hell out of it, sweating. But that's literally my meditation, like three times a week two hours at a time solid of literally not thinking about anything. If I think about anything, if anything from life or business or anything comes through my head, I just, I screw up. I mess up the song. You have to just be thinking about nothing and just kind of go with it and just trust that you know it. Um, and it works. And if I don't do that, like this past summer, my family, we went to Vancouver out on the West coast for three months we spent out there, but I didn't have any drums. So it really gets to me. I start to go kind of like squirrely. I need, I need that. I need to just, I hit hard. I play hard. I like it. Um, so, yeah, there's not many things in this life that I could say that if I didn't have that, I would not be a happy person. But that's definitely one of them. Um, that's huge. Music is, yeah, I love it, man. You need to have your whiplash moments. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Totally. Um so I, yeah, it just, it's always been in me, man. I just dig it. I hope, I hope that I never, um, I hope it never goes away. Yeah. I've heard you, uh, reference on occasion, your, your love for punk, punk music. So is it most punk or rock and roll or both a little combination? Yeah. I mean, to me, I'm not like an astute punk rocker in the sense that, um, I don't like to define it. Uh, punk rock to me is an attitude more than like a speed or type of music, right? So there's things that um, I'll write sometimes. I wrote an article on Entrepreneur about punk rock and business, and I knew that it would push buttons because I mentioned some bands that I, I got some <laughs> people like, dude, that's not punk rock. It's like, well, I'm the one who wrote it. So yes, it is actually. It's, it's And it's just, it's, it's really about an attitude to me. It's about, um, to me, it's where business now fits into my life. This whole DIY ethic um, of just do it yourself. If you want something done, if you want to create something, if you want to start something, then do it. There's no barriers for us anymore except for ourselves um, and the time we're willing to put into doing cool stuff. And that was directly learned during my high school formative years, um, playing in bands and putting on our own shows and making our own t-shirts and making our own stickers, recording our own albums, selling them um, on the street when we travel places. It's it's I, it didn't make sense at the time that that was business, quote unquote, but it's absolutely um, it's absolutely what brought me to where I am today. Um, and so, yeah, I, I say I play punk rock and it's funny because like now again to go back in the conversation where people from the outside like, oh, you're doing that now and then you're doing that and, and it doesn't matter. But then all of a sudden you hit this point where it's like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. It's funny because since Hack the Entrepreneur. And then now with my book, um, my friends, like people I play in bands with now all of a sudden are like, whoa, like it's funny. They're like literally subscribing to my newsletter now, really? like and just like all of a sudden they're like, this is really something you do. And then we were actually standing outside um, just before a jam a week or two ago. And one of them's like, so we play punk rock. I was reading on your site and you're like in a punk rock band. He's like, it's like I've been trying to explain to people what we play because it's like. It's rock and roll, but it's noisy, but it's like, no, man, we play punk rock. And I was like, that's freaking hilarious. I've been doing this for years, and now you guys are just all... And so now we're a punk rock band, and that's what we call ourselves. So I'm going to say that. I mean, we're we're dads. We're yeah. not young anymore, and we're playing really noisy rock and roll that lots of young kids are like, ugh, it's too loud. It's too fast. So it's a state of mind, man. It's just... 
it's so it's so funny when those worlds collide because I, I grew up uh, a DJing, so I've been DJing for twenty plus years. And I would have I used to work in J.P. Morgan Chase, and so I'd, I'd, I'd DJ at night, and then I'd I'd tell my my friends in the bank, I, I DJ, and they give me this weird look, like you're a DJ. And then I'd be DJing at night, and I'd be like, Yeah, I work in a bank. They're like you work in a bank. <laughs> it is funny like, when those two merge. Uh, yeah, never. And then they would never collide. Just like I just can't see you. Like the, each one would say, I can't see you doing the other thing. So it's it's funny. But I always i I picked up on the um, on the punk aesthetic, you know, from hearing you in conversations. But actually, what what uh, where I noticed it as well was when um, I saw you on the panel at Podcast Movement last year, and it, it was about sponsorships. So everyone was, you know, dressed, you know, however they were dressed. But you, you had your, you had uh, your, your, um, your. What do you have? Converse. Yeah. And you were just sitting there in your jeans and your Converse, and you're like, yeah, whatever. You know, we can talk about whatever you want. And but I was like, this guy's like kind of like doing his own thing. And we, we hadn't really met at that point in time. It just stood out. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, I, I, I'd known at some point I was going to try to get you on the show. So I was like, I made a note. I was like, I want to ask him about that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the, I, I mean, it's, it's the story of how you live your life. Like, you know, just do what makes you feel comfortable. And like you said, this do yourself aesthetic. And there's, there has to be a bit of a nonconformist in you, right? <laughs> Just a bit, just a tiny <laughs> bit. My, I, I, I mean, I hate to say it because my mom does listen to a lot of my interviews, but luckily I'm doing like a lot of them right now. So she probably won't, but she probably thought I was going to end up in jail or prison or something. Um, cause she was really, I think at times really worried about me. Cause I, yeah, I'm, I'm terrible. I'm terrible. I honestly think now that there's a term for it, which I don't think there was when I was a kid, but there's like, um, something, like active defiance syndrome or something oh, where you yeah. literally like literally somebody tells me even to this day, like you have to do this instantly. It's like, well, I'm not doing it. And it's like, I know it's happening, but I can't like, I just like, okay, John, no, just tell myself that I need to do this and it's cool. But if somebody tells me and it's just like, I can't do it. Like I literally like, I can't look both ways across the street because you told me to. So I'm just going to go for it. And it's messed up, but I'm coming to terms with the fact that this is what it is. And it's always been like that. Um, and I have a daughter who is all about the rules. She's like so into the rules oh, wow. and this is going to come back to bite me in the ass. But for the past like five years, she'd be like, like, I'd be like, Hey, let's just do this. And she'd like, no, no, you, you can't do that. Like the, the see the sign that says that is like, do you know what rules are for? The rules are only meant to be broken. That's all it's for, right? And this was like totally fine and dandy, but now it's like, now it comes back and she'll do something. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, well, what are rules for? It's like, oh. And it's like, as much as I love hearing you say that, no, my, my rules are different. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, there's, there's certain rules you probably shouldn't break. <laughs> yeah, totally. But there's, yeah, there's, so there's definitely like, yeah, I'm I'm not good with rules. I like independence. Um, it's I mean it's how I actually ended my book. I wrote I think the coolest line at the very last sentence that I wrote was that um, I like my businesses like I like my music fast and independent um, because I really do. I like small lifestyle businesses. I love people with laptops um, just doing really cool stuff and changing their lives and other people's lives with it. Um, and just completely making up their own rules. Um, I think that's how life should be lived at this point. Um, the internet gives us this time to do it. Uh, if I was born 10 years sooner, I wouldn't have been able to do this. Um, cause I don't even, honestly don't know what I would do with my life if I was <laughs> that much older because I wouldn't have had the internet the way I do now. Um, so 
yeah, rules are rules are meant to be broken. As much as that's going to bite you in the ass, they are. They really, really are. And you should just – now's the time to form them yourself, man, and just go for it. What's interesting about that interaction with your daughter is because of what you've built right now and what you're continuing to build and wherever you're going to take uh, your enterprises like in the future, she's seeing this, right? And she, this is like, it's, you know, formative and she's understanding, like she's not seeing you go leave the office with a briefcase in hand, you know, and, and coming back at like 7 p.m. It's like a completely different uh, environment that you're exposing her to. And, and I think it's going to, I can't help but color, you know, what she's going to think is possible. It's almost like you're you're showing her the potential of of what you can do, uh, if, if not only if you set your mind to it, but it, it, it's what you're passionate about. Do what you're passionate about, and I wonder if if you do anything beyond just obviously by living an example, and which is how you're showing her, or or you actually have discussions with her about that topic. Yeah, she's been. "Quote unquote," starting businesses since she was like five or six. Like, meaning she's never actually, but like, literally, like we'd go somewhere and she would just on almost a daily basis. When I get older, I'm going to start a restaurant that is, and she'd like name it, and it's only going to sell like her two favorite things, um, and everyone's just going to have to deal with it. That's just the way it is, and so it's just always like she doesn't look at businesses, she doesn't look at podcasts, she doesn't look at TV shows, she doesn't look at books as something that other people do. She looks at it as just somebody just did it, but yeah. it's not, they weren't handed this, right? Um, like she has this discussion of her like with her friends and like they're watching like this YouTube channel and people are all like idolizing and she's like, but this person just made it with their iPad, you know, like we have one of those, we could just make these and they're like, no, you just, you have to have a YouTube channel and stuff. It's like, well, yeah, but this like login sign up button in the corner of the top right, that's just how you do it. Like, and it's like, wow, it's, and it's true, right? And so it goes really through our whole lifestyle um, so you're right that she doesn't see me come home with a briefcase at seven o'clock, but she does see me working oftentimes at seven o'clock. She does see me working at 10 o'clock when she goes to bed sometimes. Um, but then often days like we wake up together and we hang out till noon and we don't. But then also on Saturdays and on Sundays. So actually to go back a bit uh, two years ago, this is the year and a half into it now, right as Hacked Entrepreneur actually launched, um, she started homeschooling uh, because Two years prior to that, my wife had been able to quit her job and she's been staying home. And so it was like the only person who had to leave the house was my daughter. Um, so we're just like, well, let's just keep her home. She was into it and she's loving it now. And so our we don't, to go back even further in our conversation, that whole mentality of the warehouse is open at this time. So we work like this. And that structure, like straight from school through, that's just bred into us that this is when you work. This is when you don't work. You wait till five and just punch out and go. Right. And we really don't live that. Like there's rarely a day that, that we're not all at least for 10 minutes working on like a project that we're working on, whether that's Saturday or Sunday or Monday or Thursday or Friday, it doesn't matter. Like it kind of just blurs. We all just kind of work on things we want to work on when we want to work on them. We enjoy the things we do. We're not forced into any of it. And I hope that that helps her. I hope that she takes that. She totally wants to go to high school, go back to school for high school, which is great. And then she wants to go to university at some point, which is totally cool. Um, but I think that 
rather than telling her, because she knows that rules are just meant to be broken anyways, we're just living. This is the way we live life. There's a real blur, more, more of a mesh between like life and business for me. Life and business are two of the same. Um, I love the whole thing of just lifestyle and living it the way I want to working my ass off on projects when I want to, pulling back when I want, um, packing up our, all of us our laptops and our backpacks and getting on a plane and heading to the other side of the world when we want. Um, but yeah, my daughter, she podcasted. She had a show for 15 episodes. Um, she's just finishing up like writing her second novel. Um, like, yeah, we like, it's cool, right? It's, and it's cool. just things. It's just things we do. Um, I wish that I would have realized that like way, 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 way sooner. Um, that you can just, that you're really the only person, that you're the biggest hurdle for yourself is you just getting out of your own way and just being like, it's all right if it sucks. I just have to do it and it'll get better. Um, so yeah, I hope that we can put that forth to her. So with the last uh, official job that you had uh, visiting houses for energy efficiency um, and you touched upon it, um, your, your daughter starting the podcast, the link there was that you got the idea for that at a conference you went to in the Philippines. Yes. Definitely. So, so talk a little bit about what that's not, it's not like going to the local YMCA for a, a workshop on how to start a business. <laughs> it's a little bit more of an investment than that. So talk about why you felt that that was the moment for you. Uh, and this was the one that you, you, you probably should be at. Um, so I had had a podcast before that, um, and it hadn't actually officially ended. Then two years ago, almost now we went to the Philippines, we went to Asia for almost three months, I think, and spent the winter there. Um, and it, the finale of it was going to Chris Ducker's first, uh, tropical think tank. And it was really, really small. There was only 25 of us total at that point. And there was a lot of podcasters. So Pat Flynn was there. John Lee Dumas was there. Um, and there was, we masterminded a lot. And there was this idea that for me, I really, I had been behind my business and for a long time where I'd created stuff, but I was not sort of the face of it. I wanted to start speaking. I wanted to start writing. I wanted to start doing things. And I had a podcast with somebody locally in my hometown um, that just kind of got me going because he knew the technical side, but I had the content. Um, I knew it was going to be terrible. I mean, his job of it was amazing, but I was just like, into a microphone, <laughs> which I, I feel like I am right now too. But, um, but I really wanted to try something new and I didn't know how to go about doing that. So we started that conversation. Um, and then Pat Flynn actually met my daughter. Um, and so she, he, they started talking about a podcast and then John Lee Dumas started in with her. Um, and then Pat offered to buy her this whole setup um, that I'm speaking through right now. Um, so it was, it was this idea in the back of my head and I had no idea where it was going to go or what I was going to do with it. So we got home and I sat on it sort of for a few months. Um, then I had a lot of time in my business um, where I literally just had months off and I didn't have to do anything. So, um, I just decided to start and that was it. I needed to just start. I was going to start with a partner, um, who I met in, in the Philippines. He was there. Um, but he lived in Australia. Brilliant, brilliant guy. Um, amazing with ideas, terrible with execution. He came up with the name, um, over some Skype calls, I was just walking with my dog. And we were figuring this all out. He came up with like sort of an idea of like a hack and how we could all this brilliant stuff. And then I got 
back from the walk. I checked like hackthentrepreneur.com is like available. Does it make any sense? Um, but okay. And so I gave him like three little jobs to do and he didn't get back to me. And like seven days later, he didn't get back to me. So I just emailed him like, dude, uh, I got to do this. I feel this for some reason. This is right. I have to do this and I'm doing it myself. Can I keep the name? Have your blessing? He's like, yep. And then I totally changed the way it was going to work. But I literally just started emailing people on a Monday. Um, I was going to interview. I had 30 people that I really, really wanted to talk to. Um, I've wanted to talk to about business for a long time. I figured they wouldn't talk to me unless I was recording it for a podcast. Um, and on a Monday, I sent out, I think, three or five emails. And by Thursday, I was inter- I interviewed two people. I had never interviewed anybody in my life. Um, and I spent, that was early, early July of 2014. Um, and at that time, I was like, September 5th, I'm launching. Um, and so I just spent two months getting everything ready, figuring out the branding, figuring out the website, um, figuring out how I was going to hit the market, what I was going to do for a format. Um, I recorded 22 complete episodes and then I hit it September 5th and just went for it. And the rest uh, they say is history. <laughs> I wonder if you could put yourself back in those two year ago shoes and there's a lot of, it sounded like there was a lot of moving parts and it sounded like you were doing a lot of things that you've never done before. And I'm wondering if you could explain your mindset at the time and what gave you uh, the cojones to believe that this is something that was possible. So at the time, I didn't realize it. Um, I just did this exact same thing with my book. Um, I honestly never even like called myself a writer. Um, but uh, in late September, September 28th, actually, I sent the first email about it and decided on a, a launch date, December 14th. And I gave myself a really quick time and just went for it. But with the podcast, the way I did it, I've realized now after talking to like 200 really smart entrepreneurs, um, I've realized, I can't remember exactly who said it, but he's in my book and it's exactly how I felt. I felt like I was creating the next best thing when I can still exactly remember being on that walk with my dog, talking over Skype to my friend, Gabriel, brilliant dude. Um, and he's at hack the entrepreneur. And then he's like, cause imagine when you're emailing the guest that, and it's just the subject line that they're live. And it's just like, you've been hacked. He's like, everyone, I'm like, wow. Smart, smart dude, right? Um, and then there was just something as I started and I had podcasted before, but I, it was terrible. I didn't know what to do, but I had this idea of like old time radio where everything's like sound effects and noises and everything's going to be in the exact sort of same places every single time. So you get this feeling. I was like, it feels like something I'm missing in the market and I'm making this for myself. There's a lot of business shows, a lot of interview for entrepreneur shows, but None of them are exactly what I want at all. And as I was going through that process of that month, even though I had never interviewed anybody before, I worked really hard with my mastermind group and like questions and figuring things out. Um, And I really, truly felt like I was creating the next best thing. Um, I felt like as I launched and like that first eight weeks, when I literally went from zero audience to like, 50,000 or like 70,000 or something downloads from literally actually the first month I got 2,700 downloads the first four weeks. <laughs> then the next one I got like 50 something thousand. Um, it wasn't surprising to me. It made perfect sense. And that, it, 
and it's weird because it only makes sense looking back on it, but none of it came as a surprise. And I've noticed now, and just from talking to other people, um, that this is typically how it works when a business or when an idea you, you create, when you create something out of nothing and it doesn't feel forced or it doesn't, or it feels like the next best thing, or like you truly honestly believe that this is the thing. Um, that's typically when it works. And I don't, I can't tell you how to find that. Um, but when I look back on the other podcasts, when I look back on other businesses I've created, um, I can almost exactly get that feeling in my stomach where we're launching, we're getting ready. This is awesome. This is great. I've never done it all the same, except for the fact that there's this feeling in my stomach that something's just off. It's just not quite right. It's not as good as it could be for some reason. It's not hitting like either congruency with like who I am or else with the market. I actually don't know how to exactly explain it, but nothing that Although I could never assume any of the stuff that has happened with Hack the Entrepreneur um, from launching to building an audience to like almost 2 million downloads to working with CopyBlogger. I could never have imagined any of that stuff happening, but none of it was a surprise when it happened mm. in a really weird way. I'm not spiritual. I'm not any of that. I just literally think that you have to be creating something that you believe can be that next best thing or else you definitely will not be. The word that stood out there was uh, congruency and, you know, taking aside all the spirituality aspects of it, I think uh, what you're speaking to is putting all your efforts behind something that you feel is in alignment with what you know that you're capable of and what you know is a good idea because it, you have the, 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 the foresight to understand um, where you can take it. And I think you were spot on with all those decisions because obviously you've had tremendous success with the podcast. And so it's almost a reminder to the listener to listen or feel out whatever, you know, wherever your internal uh, alarm clocks are for those sorts of things. And you probably had some of those going off as you were thinking through these things. I mean, as you're describing it, you know, I'm, I'm getting excited by your enthusiasm and, you know, we've all been in those moments when we have that, uh, you know, aha moments, whatever you call it. So, um, you know, kudos to you for obviously following through on it. But I think it's important, you know, to as just as a piece of advice in general to to be aware of when those happen and sort of ride that to its to its conclusion. Yeah, and I guess that's the part that I skipped, sort of. So there, I'm going to say around week eight to nine. Um, so right as new and noteworthy ended. Um, I remember lying on the couch and watching like a Gary V ask Gary, whatever video podcast that had launched right around the time of mine. And it was, it was weird. It was like, it was directed at me. Um, although I didn't ask the question, but he said that it doesn't matter if you're starting a blog right now, a, a YouTube channel, um, a podcast, no matter what it is right now, if you have this, like, tremendous that you can reach everybody and anybody and if you feel ever that what you are creating you feel that sort of spark in you that this might be the thing he's like you have to go all in it's your duty to go all in if you don't go all into it right now all you're going to have is regret to look back on and please do not come to me in six months do not come to me in a year do not come to me in five years and say how do you do this gary because that's how you do it 
We will all do something or many things, but you have to, like you said, you have to be in tune to it and figure it out. But when you feel that spark, that sort of just like, this might be it. And that was when I kind of dropped the ball on like velocity page and the business. I'm still running it and now, but so I picked it back up. But at that point, I went from two episodes to three a week and I said, I'm going, I'm going to give this 12 months. I'm going to go all in as hard as I can on this um, because life's too short and I don't want to look back one year, five years from now and be like, I wonder what I could have done with that. I literally want to know exactly how far that I can take Hack the Entrepreneur. Um, and then there's like this to go back to my book since I am selling a book, <laughs> but there's my favorite quote in here now um, is by Oren Claff. Um, and he says that an entrepreneur doesn't quit when he's tired. He quits when he's done. And that to me is exactly it. You can't because there's been numerous times where I've hit the dip and like, it's not all been roses. Don't like, let me kid you in any way. There's been times where if I was any way smarter than I am, I would have quit numerous times. Um, but the other side is always huge and big and you need to push through there. And I never, ever once quit when I was done. I was in this office at like 2.30 last night and back up this morning at 8.30 to start another interview um, because that's what I want to do right now. And rather than quit when I was tired, I'm only going to quit when I'm done. And I want to know what done is for this show because that spark is there. And we've all created these things that you get that, but you're either, like you said, not in tune to it and you need to learn to be um, or else you just ignore it and you think that you should quit when you're tired. Um, and then you just have to look back on it and always wonder what you could have done. And that to me is probably the worst feeling ever. That's fantastic advice. And you've been in a unique position because of the nature of your show to speak to some just amazing entrepreneurs, right? And then you've got some fantastic advice. And, and I'm sure uh, there's been some times when you're in the middle of a conversation and they're saying something and you, you're, you can apply that to your own business. Yeah, well, that was the whole it was I mean, it was a selfish endeavor. I had 30 people that I wanted to talk to about business that I wouldn't be able to get them on unless I recorded it and I wouldn't be able to afford to have them as coaches. So I just wanted to talk to these people. And then it turned into something more than that. Um, and I think because going back to congruency, because it was these were conversations that I really, really, truly like was vested in. I wanted to have them. I was so excited. Like I run around my office still when I get off of an interview. I love it. I love talking business. I love talking with people that are out there doing big, cool things that are creating something out of nothing, no matter what that something is, um, whether it's art or it's commerce. I absolutely love it. Um, and so you have to have that, right? Um, and it's, it, you can't fake it. Um, so if you are trying to find a show that's going to do that for you, you have to find the thing that you really are that truly passionate about. Um, it's, it can't be faked, um, at least not in a way that, um, that will get you anywhere because that spark will never happen because it just has to be you. Right. I mean, that's why I talk about the whole punk rock me and everything. It's something that I'd never done before actually until hack the entrepreneur, but it was just me. It was like, it was, it was it. I, this is what I was going for. And it's the one time that it's really, really, really worked. Um, but it's, it's, that's it, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I find that uh, time and time again, like when you t when you hear stories of people who've had success, it's the moment when they just kind of let all the bullshit like go and just say, "Look, 
there's I've got many layers to who I am as a person, and you're going to hear them all in my journey. And you know, I've had failures, and I've got hobbies, I've got things I'm interested in, and I'm just a well-rounded person. And I need to bring these all to bear now, so that I can have success in this. And it sounds like when you did that, um, that's when you really noticed that you know things started clicking for you. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say that I'm well-rounded, <laughs> but <laughs> I haven't been institutionalized yet. Okay. That's a good sign. <laughs> so uh, as the show grew in popularity, um, you you began another show, in, uh, which is Showrunner, the showrunner. And yep. I'm wondering if you could tell the story of you meeting Jared Morris. So of that first 30 people, again, Brian Clark, um, founder and CEO of Copyblogger Media at the time, now Raymaker Digital, um, he was on that list. So in July, I had emailed him. I've learned now that he's he's worse at email than I am. Um, <laughs> and so this is all fine and stuff. And so I launched the show. Um, in January sometime, he... Uh, we had followed each other on Twitter now and stuff. And I, I remember the day like he followed me on Twitter. It's like, oh, my God, this is crazy. And like and so but sometime in January, he literally DM'd me on Twitter. He's like, I hate to be that guy, but like, I feel bad that you haven't asked me to be on your show. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, like I've never talked to him before. I'm like, dude, don't even start this with me. And so I like brought up the email. I was like, I emailed you in July. You completely ignored me. And I was like shattered. So I didn't even respond. He's like. Ouch. Yeah, I missed that one. Totally. So had him on the show. We had a great conversation for half an hour. And it was one of those things where I've, I've I think, three times in the 200 people that I've just really hit it off with the person um, on like a personal level. And so literally I stopped hitting record. I'm like, that was awesome. And then he's like, OK, we're starting a podcast network. Nobody knows about this. But next month we're starting a podcast network. It's going to be all copy blogger shows. But I would like your show to be on it. And I just remember sitting here and being like, I think that's supposed to be a question, but it's <laughs> it's really like there's there's not really an answer besides yes, of course. Um, and so then it was like, that's cool. He's like, so he explained it and he's like, OK, I'll get some more information back to you. And then like a week or two later, then he like calls me up. I'm like, whoa, Brian Clark. It actually says it on my phone. It's just, <laughs> sorry, I've been a fan for a long time. And <laughs> I'm glad he doesn't listen to these too. But um, then he just called me up and he was like, just like shooting the shit. And then he's like, have you ever thought of starting a podcasting course? No, no, I haven't. <laughs> Do you want to think about it? <laughs> and like, uh, sure. And he's like, because what you've done and created is really, really cool. And it'd be cool. We get asked it all the time. I'm like, actually, it's funny because I get asked it a lot by my audience, which I never would have thought that. But it, yeah, it kind of makes sense. And he's like, because we've been asked it a lot. And then there's this guy, Jared Morris, who I don't know who Jared Morris is at all. I've never even heard of him at this point. Um, and so he's like, I'm going to introduce you because he's done some cool stuff with podcasting. I think you guys would really get along and work well together. And it was literally, then it was like, he's like, I'll do that right now. And so like three days later, I like, I messaged him on Twitter. I'm like, so that right now about that email you still haven't sent that he's like oh geez so literally like three <laughs> minutes later jared this is john meet john john jared you guys should make a course together and that was it wow and then it was like so then it was like jared and i get on a call and it's like all right so we figure out like some dates and stuff and then um I, as brian you start to realize that he is bad with email but then when he does email you if you email him like a giant thing with all these questions it's literally like yes no yes 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 and that's it and it's like does he hate me now or what is it but um he was just like 
he had a meeting with Jared off like away from me. And then he was just like the contract or whatever you want to call it for starting was just literally to me. He was just like, yep, Jared told me let's do it. <laughs> and that was it. Never talked to him. We started a show. Um, then we created a course, then we launched a course. Um, and then I met him and said hi to him and stuff at the conference that they put on, um, in like April, like literally like three or four days after the course, the first launch closed, we went to the conference and that was it. No contracts, no anything. Um, I had never met Jared until I met him there. We literally, we, I think we had one Skype call. Um, and a whole bunch of back and forth emails before we recorded our first episode. Um, he had never created a course. I had never created a course. Um, and we, we just ran with it. <laughs> and yeah, episode 43, we recorded it today. And the course is relaunching in a couple of weeks. Um, it's crazy. It's, but Brian's really, really good at, um, as a CEO, obviously putting the right people together. Um, like I couldn't work with most people, but Jared and I just really hit it off. Yeah, that's one of the interesting things that stand out about the show, and it's on my uh, it's in my podcasting section in Overcast. So, of all nice. the podcasts about podcasting, Showrunner FM, gotta have it. Gotta make sure I listen nice. to it every. You know, you probably see my comments every now and then on Twitter. <laughs> and Overcast <laughs> is great because you can pick certain points and like listen to what they said here, and then you yeah, just tweet about that it. That is really cool. Which is cool. And but what I really love is. And maybe this is kudos to Brian because you guys have an, an amazing chemistry together. You, you, you know, you got you, you fit well. You guys have you know just it's just the perfect mix. I think when you what you look for and, and when you have two podcast hosts that they complement each other and then they can have fun with each other and and they sound like they've been doing it for a while. And which is the feeling that I get when I listen to your show. Oh, thanks. And it, yeah, I know people say like, well, you sound like you guys like went to high school together and stuff. Like, I've, I, yeah, I have no idea. I didn't know how to spell his name for the first three months. I would spell it with two R's and then like it was, it was terrible, but I, something happened. We just hit record and it was just fun and we're different enough that it made like, I think a good sort of dynamic. Very cool. So yeah, I highly recommend that if you're not listening to it, check out Showrunner FM um, and I'll have links to all those in the, in the show notes. A um, couple more questions. Uh, you, you do such a fantastic job um, with your guests. And I'm, I'm wondering if you would be able to identify what your differentiating skill is when it comes to interviewing. Cheating. <laughs> I know nobody else can see this, but you can. Um, but I created this PDF document um, that allows me, and even as we're talking, you'll see me looking down. Um, I take notes like, like I'm like, I'm kind of insane. Um, I don't do this normally in like everyday life. I'm terrible with notes, but I had to create this interview sheet. I called it into PDF. Um, and so I have like the person's name, the business, what they've been up to, um, and any resources they mentioned. And I'm constantly taking notes of what they say so that I can then go back to what they said. So I find with podcasts, um, because it's audio, you have to keep the person engaged. I can stay engaged in the conversation, but if they're doing something else or they're distracted or anything, or we lose interest, um, that it loses something. And I, I don't allow enough time because I have a short show. I don't have a, allow enough time so that we can take 10 minutes to wander too far where he's not really paying attention or she isn't. And then to try and bring her back, we have to be kind of on all the time. So, I keep notes and I'll bring back like, 
And so like Harry, when you said this and I'll quote exactly what, and then it's like, Oh, like you're saying their name, which obviously like psychologically people love it. It brings them back into the conversation, but also like, wow, like you were really listening to that. It's like, actually, no, I take notes. I have no <laughs> idea what you said if I didn't write it down because I'm really bad at that. Like I'm, I'm the guy that literally Harry, I'll meet you at a conference and we'll shake hands and you'll be like, hi, I'm, and I'll be like, I don't even know what he said for his name. I've already forgotten. Like I literally didn't listen for some reason to what his name was. That's horrible. Now it's like, I should start a podcast. That's what I should do. Right. So I had to cheat. I had to cheat. So I have a pages I'm on Mac. So I had to, um, I have a pages document in front of me that has questions. So I have like every first sort of question. Um, there's like four questions I try and get to, and then I let it wander, but I bring it back to, okay, now let's go back to here. Um, and so, that made me comfortable that I could cheat and pay attention to what they were saying and not have to worry that if they stop right now talking, it's like, I don't have to be like, oh, what am I going to say? Either I've already written down a question as they're talking or I have one in front of me. Um, and that's literally it, man. It's just really bringing the person back. You do it with video. It's great. It's really, really, really smart um, because it helps with that engagement. Yeah. Um, but when it's just audio, I've found people, especially, I don't know if it's just because of the market I'm in. So I'm in entrepreneurship and business. So people are really busy and I'm in a market and people say, well, it's easy for you because they're all do interviews. And it's like, it's true. They do a ton of interviews. And so sometimes they'll want to just answer like that. They think that you asked that question because they've been asked it a ton of times. It's like, well, no. So you got to like, be like, okay, Harry. So when you said this was your one thing now, let's, I want to know about, and it's like, whoa, he's like, really? So it works. Right. But it's literally just cheating, man. Cause I, I, I literally shake your hand and it's like, I am. Uh, and so, I mean, you're going to see me walking around conferences now with like my interview. What was your name again? Okay. Thank you. Um, but I try and not show it and I try and not make it obvious that I, and I think, well, I know that I don't make it obvious because people like just can't, they're like, how do you stay so engaged? How do you remember all this stuff? It's just like, I literally have beside me on the floor as I go through them. These are all old ones as they've been released. This is just like chicken scratch notes. And that's just cheat, man. I cheat my whole way through life. That's what I do. And what's, what's great about that is that listeners have asked you for copies of your chicken scratch. Yeah, they have totally. That was a, like a lead magnet, as they yeah. say, um, for a while until I got totally swamped. But um, And also podcasters, if you would want a PDF like this, um, by all means, hit me at Twitter. Um, or just John at Hack the Entrepreneur. Um, I can send you this and you can just edit the PDF to work for you. But this took me almost a year of kind of refining it. Um, and it's, there's some parts like hacks and stuff that are specific to my show. But it'll give you a starting point anyways to if you want to do something like that. Works for me. Very, very cool advice. Um, what's uh, one thing you've changed your mind about recently? I've changed my mind um, about the fact that I should change my mind. Um, I said this, I said this actually, I think on the showrunner when we did our new year's one and Jared, um, Jared asked me what my new year's resolutions were. And I was like, well, first of all, I don't like new year's resolutions. Um, just cause I wanted to be that way with him. <laughs> um, but then, uh, I said that I was going to work as hard as I could to contradict myself um, from previous times. And I don't mean that in like a smart ass kind of way. I, I answered it smart ass to be funny, but, um, but I, I want to do it to um, force myself to question what I think, um, how 
how I sort of react to the world, um, just in general, personally and in business. Um, I want to grow and I want to be better every single day. Um, at least a little bit than I was yesterday, um, at least at some aspect of my life. And I've realized that that involves me um, needing to change and needing to contradict maybe what I said yesterday or what I thought yesterday or what I did yesterday. Um, I love books. I love podcasts. I love recording albums because it shows me a fixed point in time of how John Naster is. Mm -hmm. But I hope that if I listen to a podcast, tomorrow that I recorded today um, that I disagree with something that I said because I've moved somehow in a different way. Not necessarily always better, but different and just fluid and moving towards something else. I don't want to be sort of stagnant and I think it's boring. Um, but still to this day, my like my parents will be like, well, John, he's never wrong. That was always my thing. I was like, I'm never wrong. This is like how I think and this is how it's going to be. And now I completely disagree with that. And it's like, I want to be wrong at things and learn and grow and be just that 1% better at something every single day. Um, and that involves contradicting what I just said. Um, <laughs> now I, now I never want to be wrong. <laughs> Was it wrong is the new right or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I just, yeah, I, I don't think that I could ever be right. Um, now and be the same right in a year or two years or three years or four years. Um, life changes, people change, things happen. Um, you guys just got to go with it. Enjoy it, man. It's a crazy ride we're on. It's a fantastic way to uh, wrap this up and uh, just a reminder that we need to constantly, constantly be shedding our, our own skin. Totally. So, yeah. Thanks for that. So uh, what's the, uh, thanks. Thanks for the time, by the way. Absolutely. My pleasure, man. It's been a blast. I like this. <laughs> we should do this sometime and record it. <laughs> nah, who'd want to listen to this? <laughs> uh, so what's the, what's, the, what's the best place for uh, folks to track you down? Uh, check out Hack the Entrepreneur if you haven't. Um, yeah. I think you might really dig it. Again, you can email me, John, Johnny, any way you want to spell it, um, at Hack the Entrepreneur. Or else I'm always on Twitter, uh, just at John Naster, J-O-N-N-A-S-T-O-R. Um, and I have a book. Can I push the book? Of course. com, or just go to your local Amazon.com website and um, it's, not, it's not local, but um, and buy it. It's like three bucks. It's, 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 it's no really good. I no think you'll dig it. Yeah. yeah. Definitely run, don't walk to your nearest Amazon.com browser <laughs> and <laughs> pick it up. It's if, if this episode is any indication of just how entertaining that, uh, that book will be, then it's a shame you guys don't have it in your hands already. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks again, John. Have a fantastic week. Oh, you too, man. It's been my pleasure. Take care. Hope you enjoyed that. Johnny is nothing if not outspoken. And he, he definitely exemplifies that DIY aesthetic that he was uh, referring to in, during our conversation. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted him on. I, I, like I mentioned in the interview, I saw him at Podcast Movement and I said, this guy's just chilling in his converse. And it's kind of like a, I don't really uh, care uh, what people think of me attitude. And I, I, knew, I knew at some point I was going to have him on and I'm glad to have gotten to know him a little bit better uh, by by participating in some of the blabs with um, Jared Morris on Showrunner. 
And uh, he's he's funny, funny guy. And, and what you see is what you get. So I, I really like that he's super authentic. And I appreciated the time he took uh, to spend with this conversation with us. And uh, hope you enjoyed it. Um, so remember, uh, intro and outro music is composed by Cedar and Soil. Check out cedarandsoil.com. Thank you so much, George, for putting that together. And I encourage folks to check him out if you haven't done so already. We're a proud member of Podcastica as well, and go check out the new shows at podcastica.com. They're, the folks at Walking Deadcast are doing a, a review of movies uh, recently because the show is on hold uh, for the new season. And I was on an episode recently where we re- reviewed the movie Old Boy. So I had a good time with, um, with Jason and with Jenny his wife on on the show. And uh, I think uh, this week they're doing The Exorcist. So check out those shows. We've got a couple of new shows possibly in the works. So fingers crossed, uh, we'll be introducing some new members of the Podcastica family pretty soon. So remember three things you need to do to support the show. First, download and most importantly, subscribe. It's the most important thing you can do. And it signals that uh, to me and to us and to everyone else that you're a part of the Podcast Junkies Junkies crew. Uh, don't forget to look us up on Facebook. We have, a, we have a secret, super secret Facebook page that if you type in Podcast Junkies Junkies, you'll find and, and see where I post my videos occasionally of some behind the scenes stuff that's going on with the episode. So don't forget to do that. Second, um, tell friends. Tell friends that you're enjoying the show, uh, share it with them on Twitter, share it with them on Facebook, and uh, if it needs to hijack some phones and subscribe on my behalf, then uh, I am deputizing you uh, in that role. So feel free, do as you will. Last but not least, if you really love the show, hop on over to iTunes and then uh, leave a rating and review. I know that I've been getting caught up on mine and as a, as, as a podcaster and knowing the importance of it, even... I have uh, trouble sometimes remembering, so I make it a point every Friday to to get on out there and, and put some reviews in for some of my good friends and some new shows. I've found, um, as a result of uh, my constant search for entertaining, fun, and engaging hosts. So uh, do that if you get a chance. That's highly appreciated. Appreciated. Is that the word? How about the retention hashtag? This week it's going to be Hack Johnny. And that's Johnny with no H. So let's do hack, H-A-C-K-J-O-N-N-Y. So it's two N's in there, H-A-C-K-J-O-N-N-Y, hashtag. And uh, let uh, John and myself know, podcast underscore junkies, that you made it this far and that you enjoyed our conversation and that you're part of the Cool Kids Club. Thanks so much, my fellow podcast junkies, junkies. I uh, really enjoy having these conversations with you. I know I'm beating a dead horse, so I'll sign off for now. Have a fantastic week and uh, shoot me some feedback when you get a chance. Let me know what you guys are up to. Oh, lastly, don't forget the support of the show is now directed at the affiliates page. If you find uh, something that's of interest to you with the links to Amazon and some of the other services that we provide, that's an interesting way. You can see uh, what we have available and some of the new hosting packages uh, that we've set up and connected with, Bluehost for your web hosting, um, WP Engine if you go, if you want to take it to the, the next level. And we've recently signed up as a host for Libsyn, so use promo code PJHOST as well for any of any and all of those, but check out the full link, at the, the full list at uh, podcastjunkies.com slash affiliates. Take care. <laughs>